listening to the Sharp Cheddar Podcast. Rodgers does this better than anybody. End zone, Cobb, touchdown! Unbelievable! Here's your host, Joe Deluisio. Because he's a bad man! Welcome to episode 90 of the Sharp Cheddar Podcast, coming to you live from the New York City studios. Joe D'Aloisio here. Give me a follow on Twitter at Joe double underscore D-A-L-O-I-S-I-O. Happy, happy new year, everyone. Happy 2022. I hope everyone had a wonderful Christmas or holiday season and a very happy and healthy new year. And quite frankly, is there a better way to start the new year for the Green Bay Packers. The Packers improved to 13-3 after their dominating 37-10 victory at home against the Minnesota Vikings, a frigid game in Lambeau, feeling the temperatures at about 10, feeling like one below zero at zero. Very, very frigid. Kudos to those that are going to, you know, sit in Lambeau, with no shirt on and embrace the atmosphere. I give you a lot of credit. That's something I don't think I'll ever be able to do or would want to do. I've always said this. Though. I've been to Lambeau a couple times. Okay, both times in October. And each time that I went in October, I haven't. But there has been a new, I was going to say I've set the record, but I really haven't set the record. There has been a a new highest temperature game for the month of October. I've been very fortunate. Every time I go to Lambeau in October, it's almost as if I'm in Florida. That's how nice the weather is. And quite frankly, I probably just jinxed myself for my next trip to Lambeau. But I feel like it's almost sacrilegious that I haven't experienced the atmosphere, and I already know, like, part of me wants to, but I know deep down my body really doesn't want to. But, hey, kudos to those people that showed up uh, shirtless. You know, A.J. Dillon pregame showing up in just, you know, overalls, essentially. Didn't look like he had much underneath. That is Lambeau weather. That is Green Bay weather. And a lot of teams, well, not a lot, but teams will have to face that. Come playoff football, because with the win and, of course, some help from the Arizona Cardinals who defeated the Dallas Cowboys, the Green Bay Packers have officially clinched the number one seed in the NFC. The only team so far this season with 13 wins could be the only 14-team win. Remember, an extra week of football here, the only 14-team win by the time the regular season wraps up. A third straight year now where the Packers earn... a earn, excuse me, 13 victories. And just another season goal completed, right? First, it was winning the division, taking the North, and doing that relatively easily and convincingly. Granted, um, with the help of a, a pretty bad division overall, but they took care of business there. Next goal was securing the number one seed, And now, there is still so much more out there to be accomplished. Right? You could anticipate, okay, let's win the divisional playoff round. Let's win the NFC Championship game. Let's win the Super Bowl. Those are the list of goals. Just another checkmark right now, securing that number one seed 
the NFC having to run through Lambeau Field, which at one point in history, up until essentially 2001, no team was able to beat the Packers at home. We've seen that change quite a bit over the last 10 to 15 years. That home field advantage, not what it once was, could it regain? Could history take a step back to that dominating Packer advantage? Who knows? We shall see. But before we get into this win, got to show some love to Matt LaFleur and give him credit for another successful regular season. Yes, again, I know. There is one more week of football, so the the regular season isn't wrapped up, but essentially you go to Detroit next week to wrap things up with nothing to play for. So another very successful overall season for LaFleur. Officially now, three full regular seasons without losing back-to-back games. That's pretty remarkable. No losing streak in the regular season for Matt LaFleur and the Green Bay Packers. He's coached 49 regular season games at this point. He has never not had a first-round buy as a Packers coach. Hell of an accomplishment. How has that turned out the last two years? Two trips to the NFC Championship games, two losses. Take it with a grain of salt. 39-9 and overall record breaks George Seifert for the most wins by an NFL head coach in his first three seasons in the league. And for those of you who hear me say that, You're probably saying, well, okay, Aaron Rodgers makes anyone's life easier. And if I was a head coach and I had a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, well, things would be so much easier. Yeah, there's plenty of you that are thinking that right now. And part of it is right. Yeah, you have a a, a future Hall of Fame quarterback, reigning MVP, possible back-to-back MVP caliber quarterback on your team. Things could be a little easier if you're the head football coach, but... That's not necessarily the case. Before Matt LaFleur, the Packers were 24-23-1 in Aaron Rodgers' last 48 starts. They are now 39-9. Same amount of games, same amount of time. The only difference, a new head coach. I would argue that rosters are relatively the same still. I think all Packers fans would agree they're they're relatively the same. You've had some good additions. You've had some subtractions. You've lost some good players. You've gained some good players. Sure. But if that's not telling of the job that Matt LaFleur has done, then I don't know what is. It is, it is quite an impressive resume, an early resume for, the, for that matter, for Matt LaFleur. Incredible accolades, incredible resume in just three years. But, as he even noted after last night's win, there is much more work to be done. I don't want to downplay any of Matt LaFleur's accomplishments accomplishments thus far as the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. And maybe... I need to be the bad guy here. Maybe I need to be the guy that says this because nobody else wants to come out and say this. But let's face it, folks. An early exit in the playoffs, another loss in the NFC Championship game, 
would certainly put some sort of a dark cloud over all of this. Quite frankly, not winning a Super Bowl would do that. And that's a ton of pressure, and maybe that's not fair, but that is the reality of things. At the end of the regular season, at the end of the postseason, there is only one winner. So going thir- getting 13 wins in three consecutive years and reaching maybe three consecutive NFC Championship games is, is great. But it's not good enough. Maybe I should categorize it as good, but it's not great. Winning the regular season is good. But winning the postseason is the, dif- the difference between being good and being great. And fandom aside, I think there is, there is a part of me that really thinks that this could be the year. And if this isn't the year... I find a hard time trying to figure out what more can be done. Would adding more players help this team? I don't know. Look at how well they are playing when they've lost guys all season long. When they've lost key members of this team all season long. Things are just gelling and somehow, some way. The offensive line is a completely... Different offensive line. Rookie Royce Newman is the only offensive lineman still starting from week number one. The only one that did not get injured since week number one. Everywhere else there's been shuffling and some sort of movement. Yet the offensive line hasn't been in a liability. You lose Jair Alexander. You sign a guy in Rasul Douglas who was on the practice squad of the Arizona Cardinals. It's been incredible. You've gone year after year looking for a linebacker in free agency. You stumble upon Devondre Campbell. He's been a unit on the defense. You get back a guy on the offense in Randall Cobb, who's battled through injuries, Who's getting up there in age and he shows he could still produce. There are stories around this entire team that for me at some times feel too good to be true. And I don't mean to put this pressure on Matt LaFleur. But I think he understands it. And I think he realizes it. And that's with all of the Will Rogers stay or go conversation aside but you gotta be thinking man if he ends up leaving you gotta win it here this may be your last shot to do it so definitely a round of applause a little golf clap for you Matt LaFleur you have been an excellent addition to this organization and it is certainly you have proven that do we get over the hump this season is this the year you cement yourself in organization history is this the year 
where we're playing football in February. Time will tell, but as Matt LaFleur said, there's still more work to be done. In the meantime, congratulations on what you've accomplished so far. On to the victory Sunday night. Let's be honest. When the news broke about Kirk Cousins testing positive for COVID, the juice was sucked out of uh, out of this matchup. I mean, no Kirk Cousins, no Thielen, Sean Mannion getting the nod. Not a lot of juice. Not saying like Kirk Cousins, oh, he's the guy. I mean, we know we all know how Kirk Cousins performs on the national scene, the national level. When all eyes are on him, you could expect Kirk Cousins to choke. But, you know, with that being said, it's still, you know, it's still a way better matchup if Kirk Cousins is there. The the Vikings offense was very, very one-dimensional and really couldn't get anything going. I mean, going into it, I thought the game plan would be relatively simple. If I'm the Vikings... Whether it's Kirk Cousins there or not, I'm giving Dalvin Cook the ball a thousand, a thousand times if that's possible. Just keep feeding Dalvin Cook. You look at what happened on Christmas Day when Chubb ran crazy. Give Dalvin Cook the ball. Packers defense figure out a way to stop it. Well, let me tell you, they stopped Dalvin Cook. Packers run D bottled up Dalvin Cook for only 13 yards. Nine carries for 13 yards, his lowest total this season, his lowest total in his career. He has never had less than nine touches in a game his entire career, which is pretty phenomenal. He has never had less than 13 yards. 13 or less. I believe his his lowest performance is 15 yards. Dalvin Cook could not get it run, get it going at all. And it wasn't just Dalvin Cook. I mean, the the Vikings offense in general couldn't get anything going. And it got to the point where you look at them when they were on offense. The body language wasn't there. Season on the line. You got to win this game if you want to keep yourselves alive. You're getting punched in the mouth left and right. It's cold as hell out. I mean, there was just quit written all over so many, so many faces. 29 first downs for the Green Bay Packers compared to only 11 for the Vikings. The Packers outgained the Vikings 481 yards to 206. 7 for 13 third down efficiency for the Packers. 2 for 12 for the Vikings. And by the way, they went for it on fourth down four times, only converting just once. 74 plays called for the Green Bay Packers, 52 for the Vikings. It was a lot of short drives. It was ugly for the Minnesota Vikings. The bottom line here is the same way that I gave Matt LaFleur a little, you know, a little golf clap, a little snap, a little T-snap. I'll do the same for this victory against a depleted Vikings team. They took care of a team that they should have taken care of regardless, and that's all you can ask for. And early on in this game, the offense kept stalling, field goals, a couple field goals. Early on in this game, Green Bay's offense not nearly where they should have been, stalling in the red zone a few times. So a game which could have been much different if Minnesota's offense could have gotten going for at least one drive. 
I mean, when Green Bay goes up 6-0, if Minnesota can answer with a touchdown right there, it's a whole new ball game, even a, even a field goal. But they just couldn't get it done. Green Bay was able to rally, finish off the first half strong, come out pretty well in the second half, and just put them away. And that that was the, the main goal, just put them away. You saw Christmas against Cleveland. They couldn't put Cleveland away. I was glad to see Rodgers still out there. And then again, when they, once they put those final points on the board, they took him out. We saw a little bit of Jordan Love. But I think that's what they learned from that game in Cleveland. Not in Cleveland, in Green Bay, but against Cleveland. That they need to close out games. They had a 20-point lead. Eh, it's not enough. Let's close them out. Nail in the coffin. Let's make them want to get out of here much earlier. Let's not give them hope. And they did that against the Minnesota Vikings. I'm not going to sit here and say the Green Bay Packers are the greatest team ever. I'm not going to sit here and say that performance solidifies their chances of making the Super Bowl. Absolutely not. That's ludicrous. You'd think I'm crazy if I said that. They took care of business. They took care of business. And they've set themselves up now for next week which has no meaning but now they could figure out okay what's what do we do how do we get ourselves ready for the postseason another great performance from Aaron Rodgers in this one and I think Devontae Adams said it perfectly post game Rodgers is playing so well has been playing so well pretty much his entire career but it's almost as if it's like it's expected at this point he's put the bar so high that at the end of the game when Rodgers throws for 280, five touchdowns and no interceptions, I know that wasn't his stat line. But when he plays flawless, it's like, yeah, you know, he played flawless again, which is kind of crazy. But then he still makes those throws and makes plays that leave you in awe when he drops a ball into Lazard's hands where him and Devontae Adams are just on a, some sort of like a crazy connection. I don't even know how to explain it. Where Rodgers just throws the ball, Devontae Adams could put his hand up at literally the last possible second and catch it. The back shoulder, no defense could possibly stop it. it, it it's absolutely incredible to watch. And I think I said this the last time I spoke to you guys. We still haven't seen the best of this offense. We still haven't seen a game where the Packers run down the field, get down the field with ease, and just are putting sevens across the board. We still haven't seen that. And that, to me, is super scary. That, to me, screams even more potential. Especially in the postseason where I'm here sitting here thinking, wow, there's a lot in that playbook that we probably haven't seen that we're, that's going to be unleashed that could be huge for this offense. Rodgers right now on the season, if he, weren't, if he were to not play another down and sit out completely week number 18, 3,977 yards, 35 touchdowns, only four interceptions on the year. What's incredible, incredible about that four interceptions on the year Basically, flawless football. You can't ask for better. There is no one better when it comes to that, but he threw two interceptions week number one. Since that game, 
He has thrown 35 touchdown passes and only two interceptions. Since week number one, Aaron Rodgers has only thrown two interceptions. Post-week one. Phenomenal. Four interceptions on 513 passes this season. If he doesn't throw another interception this season, it would be the third time in his career he's thrown 500-plus passes and four or fewer interceptions. No other quarterback has done it even once in NFL history. Those numbers alone, the things that I just read you right there, is why Aaron Rodgers should strongly be considered MVP this season and get a back-to-back MVP. He definitely has a case for it. I mean, one of the games where they lost, he wasn't there. Look at all the players that he lost just on the offensive line this year. Tight ends, wide receivers, still made it work. I think it'll be a close vote between him and Tom Brady, who is absolutely killing it as always. 4,990 yards. Definitely hit that 5,000 mark. 40 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. I mean, the guy's 44 years old, and he's still an absolute machine. What a unit. And honestly, at this point, I mean, like, let's do a little bit of a an even swap here. Let's exchange a Rodgers back-to-back MVP, right? Rodgers won't get the MVP. Instead, he'll get the Lombardi Trophy. Brady gets the MVP, and everyone goes home happy. Win-win. I mean, for Brady, for God's sake, share the wealth a little bit. How many of those Lombardi trophies do you need? How many of those rings do you need? You're running out of fingers soon. Share the wealth. I, I wouldn't be opposed to it. Maybe Buccaneers fans would be. I, I don't think I think for all Packers fans you would exchange that. I think anybody would exchange that. Obviously joking around here, but I think it'll be a close vote. But the, the, the stats that I just rattled off for Aaron Rodgers, I, I think that really deserves to be a focal point of the conversation. Yeah, he doesn't have the almost 5,000 yards as Tom Brady, but the flawlessness in his play has been unbelievable. And, you know, it's easy for Rodgers to sit there and make plays when you have a guy like Devontae Adams. It's easy for that for a guy like Rodgers to make plays when you're not sacked. Another game where he wasn't sacked with an offensive line that, as I mentioned before, is being mixed and matched and has been all season all season long. Adams, 11 receptions, 136 yards, and one score on the evening. I mentioned the timing before. It's unbelievable. I don't know if you could even practice that. Like, it gets to a point where it's just like, yeah, I know what he's doing. I got you. I have my confidence. If I tell him to run this route and he runs something else, I know where I need to put the ball. I mean, that's just chemistry at its finest. 116 receptions this season for Adams, breaking his own record for the single-season franchise receptions, previously set at 115. How good has Adams really been, like, overall? Melissa will explain it. Sixth player in NFL history with 600-plus receptions, 8,000-plus yards, and 70-plus TDs in his first eight years. Joins the company of Jerry Rice, Randy Moss, Calvin Johnson, Larry Fitzgerald, Marvin Harrison. If that ain't incredible company, I don't know what is. 
if that doesn't say one of the best wide receivers in the National Football League, I don't know what will. I mean, the trajectory here for Devontae Adams is gold jacket. I don't I don't want to over exaggerate. But when you, you read off those numbers and the company that he's with, my lord. If he continues to play this way, I mean, open the doors now, Hall. Get the bus ready. He became the first player in league history with 115 catches. 115 plus catches. 1,350 plus yards and 11 plus TDs in back-to-back seasons. And of course, he's also knocking on another record, Jordy Nelson's single-season Packers receiving record. I think he's about 20 or so yards shy of that. Which, you know, as he said, and you expect him to say, he wants that record. And he hopes if he could play at least a half against Detroit that he could get that. Incredible to see what Rodgers and Adams have been able to do. Sad, though, if these two cannot get a Lombardi trophy. It would be devastating. It'd be even more devastating if they, you know, the year that they just had, they both end up leaving, despite reports of Devontae Adams getting a franchise tag for next season. But to be on the way out, not get one, that that would be devastating. That would be absolutely heart-wrenching, heartbreaking. Got to also show some love to another wide receiver for the Green Bay Packers, Alan Lazard. Another solid performance, solid evening. Coming on late into the season, which is important, building that momentum, taking up the responsibility and the added role that he has earned. Not only has he earned, but, you know, considering the circumstances, Randall Cobb getting injured, he's come up big. Six receptions, 72 and a touchdown. Great, great diving Touchdown play by Lazard, adjusting his body in the air to secure that. Securing the fall, staying in bounds. Six touchdowns on the year, career high for Lazard. Again, continues to step up in the absence of Randall Cobb. And that's what they needed. They needed somebody, whether it was whether it was Lazard, whether it was MVS, a combination of the two of them. You're seeing Lazard come up in that role as he continues to not only get be productive. Receiving, but also doing an excellent job in the blocking. Which leads me to the running backs. Another 1-2 punch, another 1-2 start for Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Jones, 8 carries for 76 yards, added 5 receptions and 30 yards. I just needed like 35 more fantasy points from Aaron Jones to win a fantasy championship. Unfortunately, came up a little short. No, uh, all kidding aside. Yeah, I needed Jones to have a big night. Didn't happen for me. Doesn't matter anyway. You don't care about my fantasy team, and this isn't a fantasy uh, podcast, so I'm not going to talk about it. Can you tell I'm a little bitter? Just a tad bit. Meanwhile, A.J. Dillon, 14 carries, 63 on the ground. Two scores. Two for 20 in the air. Showing that he could catch balls out out of the backfield. You know, I saw an interesting stat on Twitter during the game where, you know, Jones obviously started off pretty high and was running the ball really well throughout the entire game. Saying like, oh, you draft you draft A.J. Dillon for these games in January in the cold weather and he's got zero attempts, blah, 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 blah. And then late in the game, A.J. Dillon just went nuts and was impossible to take down and completely 
pummel the Vikings defense. You know, and you see that and you get a good taste of what, what this could be in the postseason. A thousand yards now for both of these guys. 1,000 total yards from scrimmage for each of these players. First time since 1980 this has happened for the Green Bay Packers where two backs have each eclipsed the 1,000 total yard mark. They're only one of three teams that have done that this so far this season. Them, the Cowboys with Zeke and Tony Pollard. And surprisingly, the Broncos with Javante Williams and, and, and Melvin Gordon. Didn't, didn't realize they were that effective. And, you know, maybe I'm just not watching enough Bronco football. And I believe Green Bay is second on that list, trailing the Cowboy tandem by just one yard. Pretty impressive. Couldn't make the case that you have the best one-two running backs in in the National Football League. You know, Aaron Jones gets to the outside. It presents a, a tremendous challenge for the defense. And then to have to slow him down on the outside and then, I don't know, four drives later have to deal with A.J. Dillon coming right down your throat, right up the middle. I mean, that's a punch right in the mouth. Knock you right on your ass. And hopefully... As I've said all season long, this offense runs through that that run game. And when that's happening and when that's moving and that's productive, it opens up the entire playbook. I anticipate, you should anticipate, there should be no surprises here when the Packers are keeping the ball on the ground in the postseason. Obviously, they'll lean on Aaron Rodgers. But we know how those weather conditions could be. You get a snowy, windy day, you're not tossing the ball through the air. It ain't going to be too easy. you got to rely on these two horses. And that's, I think, exactly what the Packers are doing. Again, Aaron Jones, I thought another game closer to being where he was pre-knee injury. Running with that explosiveness, getting to the outside, making guys miss, important. Got a little nervous for him early on when Rodgers threw that ball over the middle and he kind of got clipped underneath limped off the field, thought, oh, yikes, that's exactly what you don't need as you wrap up the regular season, but kudos to those two. Defensively, I mean, come on, Preston Smith, Gary, they continue to collect sacks. They continue to get after opposing quarterbacks. Devondre Campbell, leading the team in tackles, continues to be an overall stud for this defense. And it's also encouraging that you got Mason Crosby out there kicking some field goals. I don't care that they were 30-yard field goals. I don't care what they were, but get that confidence back in that veteran. I like to see that. It was important for him to go out there and make those field goals. And I think that is a, a, a good way to kind of end the, end the regular season, considering the, the inconsistency that he's gone through. And, and I've said it. You know, I thought they should bring somebody in. He misses a field goal in the postseason. That sends him home. Or is the difference maker, you're going to hear a lot of people saying they should have brought someone in. Getting him right, though, believing in him, he's earned that, I guess, as that veteran. With that being said, though, right, with that being said, I like what I saw Sunday night against the Vikings, getting himself on the board. Especially that first field goal. Almost mishandled by the holder, by the punter. Gets it. The veteran in Crosby slows it down right through the uprights. Nice and easy. Like to see that. So now what do we do? You have one game left. Packers travel to D- Detroit to finish up the regular season. And of course, everyone is asking, and rightfully so, 
Will we see the starters? Does Aaron Rodgers play? Does Devontae Adams play? Do these guys that have played so much football all season long play one more week? And based on what we've heard from the players, based on what we've heard from Matt LaFleur, I think it's safe to assume that they will play in some capacity. And I think they should play. And I think that's the the right move, and I think it's the important move. I don't think it's necessary for them to be out there for an entire game. I think it's necessary that they play some meaningful snaps in this game, though. I would be content with at least one good half of football, maybe even three quarters. I think it's a horrible, horrible idea to not start some of these guys and have them sit for what essentially is going to be three weeks, right? So you don't play week 18, you have the bye week, and you come back and it's the third week. I think that's a horrible, horrible opportunity. You you cannot simulate a, a, a real game, real game speed, real game environment. Having guys sit for three weeks essentially is, I don't know, to me, not the right move. I don't I don't think that will get you closer to your goal. Now, of course, there's the other side of things, the other side of the story where there's people that say, you know, well, Aaron Rodgers plays in that first quarter, gets hit hard, the season's over. Well, you know, Aaron Rodgers could go to his car after practice and slip on ice and his season's over. You know, that, that's part of the game. But I think it's it, it's important, and we've seen this before with guys that have sat. We've seen this before with this team where it just doesn't end up playing in their favor where you could see the rust, you could see this, how sluggish they are, especially considering you're playing a team that's just coming off playing. You, you, you want to you be healthy, of course, but I don't think it's necessary to to rest. Now, what I will, what I want to, what I'm curious and interested in seeing, do we get some of the injured guys back? Because I think that is, week 18 is a huge week. This last game against the Lions could be huge for guys like Jair Alexander, Zadarius Smith, David Bakhtiari. I don't know, Randall Cobb, Billy Turner, I don't know, Josh Myers, I have no idea. I'm just throwing out the laundry list of guys that are injured right now. Because I continue to talk about how, you know, you're not making additions this late in the season. No team is. If anything, they're making subtractions. And all those guys that I just listed are are, are crucial players for this team. But with that being said, the more and more I think about it, you can't just throw these guys back onto the field. It's not like you're playing bad football or there's a specific position that's been so atrocious because one of these guys have been out that you got to plug them in right away. So it would be crucial. It would be super helpful if a few of them could play weak in this last regular season game to get some reps in. Because I don't know if just throwing them out there come playoffs, if that's very helpful. If that helps the team, if that's in the best interest of the team. 
you're not really doing a rotation with a guy like David Bakhtiari. A guy like Zadarius Smith, okay, sure. You want to throw him in on a third down to try to blitz. Understandable. Randall Cobb, you want to throw him down a third down, let him run a route, okay, understandable. You're not doing that with a guy like David Bakhtiari. You're not doing that with a Billy Turner. You're not doing that with a Myers. You know, maybe you could get away with it a little bit with Jair Alexander. Certain packages, you put him in. Maybe you make him blitz a little bit more. Get after the quarterback. I don't know. I just don't think now there's any reason, there's any pressure to, hey, they're good, okay, they're automatically in. Work them back in, but it's super important if they could get going and get on the field, or at least a few of them could get on the field this last week. Now, last week... I promised the podcast, promised picks. And unfortunately, I couldn't get in the studio. I didn't record. I had everything planned out. Everything was ready to go. Just couldn't get in the building. With that being said, I apologize for that. Also, with that being said, I did pick three games last week, okay? Obviously, the audience, my Twitter following, they don't even know about it. But I did pick three games, and I, I happened to text my buddy John the three games that I picked. And it was the Eagles minus three and a half, the Dolphins plus three and a half, and the Rams minus four. One and two on the week. One and two on the week, which overall puts me at 28 and 19 on the year. Now, I could have pretended as if I didn't pick anything, that my record was still 27 and 17. You like that math that I just did live on the air? Pretty impressive, right? Yeah, I know. I could have pretended. But that's not the type of guy I am. So I just wanted to be transparent with the audience. I wasn't here. I told you I'd be here. I still picked. I have a backup. I have sources that can confirm that I picked. And I went one and two. So I just wanted to be honest with you before I sign off the Sharp Cheddar Podcast. Now, I will be back at the end of the week. Because I'm sure there will be some more news regarding the injuries. Who's going to play. How much playing time. So I'll be back at the end of the week. I'll also give you my picks. We'll wrap up the regular season in picks. I will have postseason picks as well. All the way to the Super Bowl, you'll have my picks. All against the spread. Maybe I'll have a little bit more fun, do a couple player props. Maybe do a couple money lines. Maybe have a little bit different of an outline. Maybe I'll do my three spread picks and then keep totals of things I like on the side, player props, and start tallying that up for the playoffs and see, hey, let's have some fun. Let's continue to have some fun here on the Sharp Cheddar Podcast. That'll wrap up. This episode, be on the lookout for the preview episode coming up at the end of the week. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. As always, thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, like the podcast, subscribed. If you're just searching every time on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen, Sharp Chatter Podcast, just hit that subscribe button. Rate the podcast. Let me know what you like. Let me know what you hate. Give me a follow on Twitter at Joe, double underscore, D-A-L-O-I-S-I-O. And as always... Go Pack Go.